4: If you dare.
6: breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
7: A warmer and really low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts and a podcast that is presented to you Today, by vote yes on Prop 27 and Drive Kings, Prop 27 doing everything it can to get Californians online and able to bet online, much like more than half of the country is able to do so already. I'm able to do so out here in Las Vegas, New York, Chicago, you're able to go down the list. All these great states and cities are able to. Meanwhile, Californians have been stuck out in the cold for quite a while. Prop 27 is going to help out with this and so much more. And you got a great podcast to help you out with regards to taking a look at this MLB postseason. As joining me in segment number two, Danny Vietti does amazing work with CBS Sports. We're going to recap what we saw on the American League side of things in terms of the postseason. Unfortunately, the National League games, they were going on as I did this interview. But we are going to be talking with Danny about what to expect also from the Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves moving forward. And then obviously what we could expect out of Guardians versus Yankees and so much more. So we're going to have a great chat with them. In segment number two, in the final segment, I'll be giving you guys picks and analysis another every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all first things first. Always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast, and you do have one of two ways to be able those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind, letters yeah. M maybe does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, irritable fire or whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Via that five star review, really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Saturday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better.
8: Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy
7: Recap. Well, I did get in one Twitter question, and that's where was the ghost runner in the X-Running game that we saw between the Rays and the Guardians? Fortunately, we get natural baseball the way that it is supposed to be, and I would not have it any other way. You can keep your ghost runner. I do not want to ever, ever see it again because this was tremendous. It was a 1-0 Guardians win in 15 innings for them to close out the Rays as the Rays in that 15th inning and men on first and third with one out. And then you had Francisco Mejia and Jose Siri strike on at six pitches. They probably swung at four. Five balls, and then the one pitch that they did not swing at, you know what? It was a perfect strike as the Rays leave nine men on base. Tyler Glasnow goes five scoreless settings on 63 pitches, so great production there. Pete Fairbanks unable to get it out. I think that there was a hit batsman, and then two walks, and then Jason Adam from there. Two scoreless settings, Drew Rasmussen and Garrett Clevenger. They combine for three scoreless settings. Sharma Armstrong, one and a third inning. Scorless Brooks, Rayleigh, really a scoreless setting. And then Corey Kluber, he gives up the walk-off home run to Oscar Gonzalez, as for the Guardians. Tristan McKenzie was very solid. Six scoreless settings. And then James Karinchuk, Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Classe, Agnello de los Santos, all deliver a scoreless setting. Eli Morgan, Nick Sandlin, they combined for two scoreless. Sam Entages, he pitched a final three-inning scoreless, as there is a combined 39. 39- Nine strikeouts in this game, so a little bit grody, but you did have the Guardians get it done. They are on to the divisional series against the Yankees, and the other American League divisional series is set to after the Seattle Mariners were down 8-1 to one to the Toronto Blue Jays going into the sixth inning, and then calamity strikes as the Seattle Mariners, they also struck as Carlos Santana. He gets a home run off of Tim Mesa in the sixth inning, set up by Kevin Gosman, putting a few men on base. He gives up four runs in five and two-thirds an innings. Mesa gives up that home run in two-thirds of an inning, and then Yibi Garcia, throws of of the bullpen, and then things go disastrous from there as the Blue Jays also had a four-run lead going into the eighth inning, and then Anthony Bass and Jordan Romano, they combined to get five outs. And they combine to give up five runs before Adam Simber gets the final out of that ninth inning. And for the Blue Jays, they had it all going on with the Oscar Hernandez going deep twice off of Robbie Ray. As Robbie Ray gives up four runs in three innings. Rude greeting from his old team, as did have Matt Brash, Andres Munoz, and then George Kirby in the ninth inning. All one scoreless innings. Paul Seawald, very shaky in this game. Gives up four runs in two-thirds of inning. Diego Castillo and out of the bullpen, at Matthew Fessa. Gives up a run in one and a third innings with Penn Murphy being able to deliver a pair of outs out of the bullpen. But for the Seattle Minors, they go in this game 6 of 16 with Ben in scoring position. Heartbreak Hotel for the Toronto Blue Jays. Heartbreak Hotel for the St. Louis Cardinals. Their season is now done. They lose to the Philadelphia Phillies by a count kind of two to zeroes. For the Phillies, they did just enough in this game. Bryce Harper has not been himself since coming off the injured list. He goes deep in the second inning off of Miles Michaelis who lasts just four and a third innings, giving up two runs, and Jordan Montgomery, he worked his way out of some jams. He was able to deliver two-plus innings, scoreless as the Phillies in this game only had four total hits, but two and two-thirds innings, scoreless walk three along the way. Giovanni Gallegos, Jordan Nix, both led to scoreless inning, but for St. Louis, nothing doing in this game. Albert Pools. He had a pair of it, so he was able to do his part, but team goes 0-7 of 7 with men in scoring position as Aaron Nola turns a gem, 6-2, and 3 hanging scoreless. Serenity Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, they both on a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Zach Eflin. He is able to deliver a scoreless setting, and then the Mets... Get it done against the San Diego Padres. This, by default, is going to be the DK Nation pick for Sunday. And, well, it's the side in total I'm going to feel the most bullish on because we're going to have one side in total for Sunday because this is going to be the long game three. As get a 7-3 win over the Padres for Blake Cell. Did not have his A-plus stuff and was removed after 90 pitches. This wasn't necessarily a quick hook. He was just racking up pitches. Two runs rendered and three and a third innings with six walks. The walks, they creeped up at a bad time, and he did allow a home run along the way as Francisco Lunder took him deep, and then Pete Alonso takes Nick Martinez deep, as well as Martinez. Gives up one and one and two-thirds innings, And then for Adrian Modihon, I have no idea why he was placed in this game, gives up four runs without getting a single out. Pierce Johnson and Steven Wilson from there. Lendy scoreless setting and Trent Gershom. He did go deep off of Jacob DeGrom as DeGrom gives up two runs in six innings. First time in five starts, he allowed fewer than three runs. From there, Edwin Diaz in two-thirds innings, scoreless Adam Modavino. allows a of the run in an inning, and the bases were loaded in the ninth inning, but Padres could not capitalize the Mets. They went three of ten with men in scoring position. Meanwhile, the San Diego Padres, they went one of seven with men in scoring position. You saw underdogs for pretty much a second straight day be able to have themselves a very nice time of it as underdogs overall. They do go two and two, so you were able to make money there. Overall, the road teams have now went five and three with two of those wins coming from the Cleveland Guardians. And overall, we have seen four overs and four unders thus far in the postseason. So that's what we're all getting on that front coming up next. How about if we dive in and get a little bit of perspective as everything that we saw from the Cleveland Guardians, how they're going to match up with the New York Kings. Yankees, and just if any of these National League teams are going to be able to take down the Dodgers and the Braves as well, we're going to be talking about that and so much more with Danny Vietti of CBS Sports on the other side, right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the family podcasts.
6: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
7: And we're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this guest as Danny Vietti does absolutely amazing work over there at CBS Sports covering the great game of baseball and baseball. He has a podcast of his own, where you find this podcast, you're able to get this one as it is, the Wake and Wraith podcast. He does that with former MLB pro Will Middlebrooks and a World Series champion. It will motor as well. Danny has done an amazing job all season long, posting up great tidbits that you'll frequently see me retweet as well. And to be able to follow Danny on Twitter, that's at Danny Vietti last name is called V I E T T I all together. And Danny, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you.
8: Uh, pleasure is all mine. Always happy to join.
7: Always happy to have you aboard and Danny. Well, as we are recording this, we don't know how the two nationally games for Saturday went, but we know how the American league games went and first things first, just take me through that 15-inning game that we saw between the Guardians and the Rays because with the Guardians, I mean, the pitching right now looks top-notch as they're going to be going up against the New York Yankees starting up on Tuesday. and That's the type of pitching that'll be able to win you a series against the New York Yankees. In my opinion, offense, I think it's very fair to say that three runs in 24 innings left a little bit of something to be desired.
8: Yeah, I mean, both teams did what they do best, right? Both teams, the Rays and the Guardians, both hit the ball very poorly and pitch the ball very fast. And they strike out a lot of hitters. In the meantime, that's exactly what we saw. Tampa Bay did not do enough offensively to earn a bid for the American League DS. Frankly, the Guardians did not either, but they did more than the Rays. And that's what it came down to. The Guardians, they just scratch and claw for everything. Talent-wise, on paper... They don't really compare to the big dogs in the American League like the Astros and the Yankees. And even when you compare them to the Mariners and the Blue Jays, just on paper, the the talent isn't quite as stout. But with that being said, they're a tough beat and and they're a tough matchup as well. They have a lot of strong bullpen arms so they can mix and match. They don't have a whole lot of depth within their lineup. They really struggle against left-handed pitching. Josh Naylor, Jose Ramirez... Obviously, those are their two power lefties, but they're just not as great against left-handed pitching, and so that has an effect on their lineup. They're not great, but again, they scratch and claw. They play for their manager, and they play really hard, and they play a little bit. you know They, they play some good defense behind their starting pitching. They're not going to be the odds favorite. That goes without saying as they head into New York. It's going to be a fun series to watch because I think they're going to give the Yankees fits. I do think the Yankees obviously end up on top as they are the favorite, but uh, I think it'll be fun.
7: I do agree with you. And it's going to be interesting to see what the guardians do in game one, because I know that they were lining up Cal Quantrill to be able to pitch in that game three, but he doesn't go because they don't have to play game three and the guardians are 16 and one in his last 17 starts. Uh, That might be something I personally am going to be taking a look at as Danny Vietti, who does great work over at CBS Sports, is joining me on the podcast. And I do think that it's going to be interesting to see how the Yankees respond because one thing that I was fearing as that 15 inning game was going along was if the Rays end up winning that game, that would have been tremendous for the New York Yankees because – Whoever would have came out of that, whether it would have been the Rays or the Guardians, they would have been completely spent. But because the Cleveland Guardians won that series in two games, now they're going to be fully rested, even though they did have to dive into that bullpen, even though they did have to expend a lot of arms. All these guys are going to be rested by Tuesday. So that was a big advantage that the Guardians were able to win that series in two, because if they had won that in three, in my opinion, that really would have put them behind the eight ball.
8: Uh, that's a good point. Out on the flip side of that, no team other than obviously Dodgers, Braves, and Astros have had more rest than the Yankees. And so of all these teams that I think really needed rest, they have kind of limping into the postseason. They've been limping much of the second half. Now, fortunately for them, they're going to have Giancarlo, who is healthy. Anthony Rizzo, who is healthy. DJ LeMahieu is healthy. These are guys that have spent significant time on the injured list uh, in the second half of the season, I do have questions just regarding Aaron Judge, and and this is I, I have no facts or statistical backing behind this. I just wonder about the mental of Aaron Judge. He has put this team on his shoulders and on his back the entire second half. When everybody went on the injured list, their bullpen was down, their lineup was down. He put the team on his back and took on all that pressure. He also put on the pressure of that individual 62 home runs single season American League home run record. That's a lot of pressure as well. He played 55 straight games at one point, which is something that the Yankees don't often do. A big body like his, he's spent time on the injured list in his history as well. I don't want to speak bad things into existence for the guy, but I just question how fresh Aaron Judge is going to be considering how much he has put on his back. He's been a stud all year. It wouldn't surprise me if he continued that. I do wonder what kind of effect it will have on him.
7: I will say this to the flip side as well. How much do you think that... Just getting out of the regular season is actually going to help him as well because I just noticed that after he hit home run number 60, it felt like he was pressing at the plate a little bit more now. Part of it is that he was just getting nothing to hit for about a week, week and a half because nobody wanted to be that guy that gave up home run number 61 and or home run number 62. But I almost do feel like because to your point, I agree that just everything that he's went through in general this season, that does weigh on him quite a bit. But I almost feel like there might be a little bit off his plate now that the regular season is over and that chase is over as well, though.
8: I also wonder if it was better for the Yankees to not go for that you know, 115 wins. I think that they were on pace for maybe we talk about this too much, but we look at even other sports like the Golden State Warriors. When they set the record for most wins in a single season or the Seattle Mariners back in 2001, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers have Florida with it a couple times. You just wonder the how Patriots. Much- the Patriots, that was right there for me, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> you just wonder how much time and energy is spent in a regular season. And you wonder if it was too much time and energy. Time will only tell. Obviously, you play to win the game. You play to win the most games in a regular season. I wonder if it actually helped the Yankees that they did struggle in the second half to go through those lulls and to try and find other ways to win ball games, Maybe it helped them. Maybe that's kind of the uh, the beacon of light, if you will. And you're
7: talking to a man whose other primary sport is college basketball. As we know in college basketball, there hasn't been an undefeated champion since the mid-1970s in Indiana as well. That war on Gonzaga a on, little Gonzaga. bit over a year ago as well. So, I mean, you're just able to go down the list. So I think that that is a supreme point that you bring up. And how many game... Threes we're going to be getting on Sunday. That's a little bit in the balance. The Toronto Blue Jays and the Seattle Mariners after, I mean, it was a gong show on Saturday. I think that that's very fair to say as Robbie Ray, I don't know about you, but I sort of saw it coming with him giving up some jacks and that certainly did happen. I was a little bit more surprised that the
8: bullpen in general just wasn't able to hold up. Seattle have one of the deeper bullpens in all of baseball. Their closer, Paul Seewald, did not look good on Saturday, so that's a little concerning. But if you're looking on depth, I think Seattle has better depth. I've talked about the Mariners a lot over the last month, and everybody was wondering what to expect out of this team. Three, four weeks ago, if you asked me about the Mariners, I was telling people that this is a sneaky, good World Series contender. All of a sudden, the injuries started to rack up. Gino Suarez went on the injured list, Julio Rodriguez, Sam Haggerty, Jesse Winker. The injured list started to get pretty lengthy. But before the injuries started racking up, I looked at Seattle, and I looked at that rotation, and I looked at how much depth they have in their bullpen, and I thought about our, what our history has told us about the postseason, and it's been starting pitching depth, defense, and a streaky lineup, and that's exactly what Seattle is. Things have changed, and they're a little beat up here, but with that being said, if for whatever reason Logan Gilbert can't pitch deep into a ball game. They have a guy named George Kirby who is one of the best rookies in all of baseball, an electric arm from the right hand side. So they could go to him. They have guys like Chris Flexen and Marco Gonzalez who have also started games for him.
7: They have a lot of length. Danny Vietti, who does great work over at CBS Sports, is joining me on the podcast. And then with the National League side, as we are recording this, we do not know if we're going to have any Game 3s or not. With that said, if it is going to be the Padres and the Mets for Game 3, I think that that would be very interesting with Joe Musgrove, Chris Bassett. Hopefully we do get it. But that I said, I just take a look at the National League side of things. And with the Atlanta Braves and the LA Dodgers, could they get upset Absolutely, but I just take a look at the four teams that are currently playing in the wild card round. And out of all the teams, dare I say that perhaps the San Diego Padres might have the best chance of being able to knock off any of them because with the San Diego Pottery. the a man that is going to be going in, Blake, in game two in Blake's cell. I have been highly impressed by him. This is a Pottery team that they've actually been playing significantly better on the road than at home. I think just a lot of it in general has to do with a pitcher-friendly ballpark. A lot of people are talking about why guys like Juan Soto and company have struggled. I think that the ballpark itself has had a lot to do with the struggles because on the road, this has been a significantly better offense. But I do take a look at these four wildcard teams in the National League side of things. I think that they're just going to have a tough time in general with regards to facing off against the Braves and the Dodgers. But I do think that the Padres are starting to really find themselves, and they could be that sneaky team that
8: steals a few games. I don't think anybody expected what we saw game one against Max Scherzer. And the biggest surprise wasn't that Max Scherzer got lit up. It was the fact that Max Scherzer got lit up by the supporting cast of the San Diego Padres. I know Manny got his solo homer and kind of put the nail on the coffin for San Diego. But before that, it was Jerks and Profar, Homer, Josh Bell, who since coming over to San Diego is hitting about 190. Uh, Trent Grisham's hitting about 170 on the season. He was able to take Max Scherzer yard. That was what was most surprising to me. Juan Soto didn't do anything. Jake Cronenworth, another All Star really didn't do anything. And if you're San Diego, you gotta like your confidence because Blake Snell, over his last 17 starts, has a 2.3-something ERA. Um, he has about 120 strikeouts in that span and under 100 innings. This is why you get Blake Snell. It's such a flip of the coin because when Blake Snell is off, he's very off. But when Blake Snell all of a sudden is is finding a hot streak, he can legitimately, legitimately be an American League Cy Young player. That's who he was a few years ago with Tampa Bay. That's who he was when he got taken out early by Kevin Cash in the World Series. If all of a sudden you have a hot Blake Snell, and then you also had Hugh Darvish, who looked spectacular in game one, you also have Joe Musgrove behind them. They have some pitching depth. They're sneaky. Do I think they have as much depth as, say, the Dodgers? Probably not quite. But regardless, I think an NLDS between Dodgers and San Diego, a fight for Southern California would be incredibly entertaining.
7: And... Finally, for the Padres, it feels like Josh Hader is himself. I know that he was dealing a lot of things with a little bit of a difficult pregnancy with his wife and everything like that. So you feel good that he's been able to get back out there and he has looked much more sharp. One under and run allowed in his last 10 starts and in that one under and run, if you watch that game against the LA Dodgers, that was just completely not his fault at all. It looks like he's the Josh Hader of old. That is big for a Padres team that they've been dealing with some bullpen depth issues. And if they are able to survive in advance about chrismet, should be back and should be able to function for that bullpen as well when they're big pieces that was on the injured list towards the month of September as well. So I think that that's something to watch for. And, Danny, I know you're doing a great job of taking a look at everything that we're getting this postseason. You do amazing work over at a variety of stops, including CBS Sports and the Wake and Rake podcast. And every time you join this podcast, you always deliver great insights. I of the good people at home. Know they're able to get a little bit more of you and follow along on social media and other platforms.
8: I appreciate it, Greg. Yeah, we got a playoff preview we filled out our bracket. On the latest Wake and Rake pods. When you're done listening here, definitely go check it out and then check out all of our latest on CBS Sports MLB at cbsports.com.
7: Danny does amazing work following the game of baseball. He joins me quite a bit on this podcast, and every single time he does, he always delivers just great insights in general, just like he did today. Big thanks to Danny for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them on
6: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
7: And we're back here, lovely Las Vegas, for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to be joined by Danny Vietti. He does amazing work. Over at CBS Sports to let you in behind the curtain when we were talking about the Seattle Mariners if it looks a little bit janky. We were thinking we were going to get a game three, but that turned out to not be the case after the Blue Jays. They decided to upchuck all over themselves in that game. I feel for any Blue Jays money line holders, including myself on that one. So there was Zapatani. He always delivers the goods, unlike the Blue Jays bullpen. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. I was thinking that we were going to get multiple game threes today. Hey, but we've got one side in total to deliver for you guys. But you know what? We've got it as we touch them all, or in this case, touch it in general.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it. So it is time to touch them all.
7: Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GRS41. There's really not too many changes that can be made unless if we get a starting pitching change. And we're going to be going in Las Vegas' station order, which is one game. So 9-1, 9-2 on the betting board. It is the San Diego Padres on the road against the New York Mets. Chris Bassett is the hook, line, and sinker for the Mets. Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for the Padres, and the Padres are between plus 115 and plus 120 underdogs. Meanwhile, with the Mets, it is anywhere between minus 128 and minus 135. Six and a half is the total over and under, anywhere between even money and minus 120. So you've got a range there, and I set my total at a 6.4. My DK Nation pick is going to be on the under of 6.5. I also did set the Mets as a minus 142 favorite, so I'm going to be willing to lay it. Chris Bassett has been just doing amazing work for the New York Metropolitans all season long. With Bassett, he has been at his best at home. 295 ERA 8 home, giving up 8 home runs at 102 thirds innings. His strikeouts per 9 rate, that has dropped a little bit from past years. He's getting more like 8 strikeouts per 9 innings, but still has been able to do a rock solid job to did have a couple shaky last few starts heading into the postseason. Opponents only 222 off of him in his last five starts, but he certainly did have a rough go of it against the Atlanta Braves. That is for sure. But you do take a look at the flip side and what you're going to be able to get out of Joe Musgrove. And second half of the season, he just wasn't necessarily himself. The first half of the year, especially those first, I believe it was like eight or nine starts in which, he gave up two runs or fewer in every one of them while filling six plus innings. He was able to do a terrific job. But post All Star break, Joe Musgrove had a 3.62 ERA. After the All Star break, he gave up 13 home runs in 77 innings. That's nearly 1.5 home runs per nine innings, still getting right around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And I will say for Joe Musgrove, he doesn't necessarily experience too much of a dip when he's on the road. 301 road ERA compared to a 286 home ERA. Now, if you've got one fear with this under, it is with the San Diego Padres bullpen they did have to use up Nick Martinez, a little bit. Fortunately, you're not going to get under Ian Modahone, who's not been too terrific for this team. And with Josh Hader, I recognize that since he's gotten to the team, it has not been too terrific, north of a 70 or a post All Star break. But if you do take a look at what Josh Hader has been able to do in general, he's been able to piecemeal things together all of a sudden as you take a look at his last 10 appearances. One unearned run allowed in that so That's something that you're able to feel relatively good about. I do like Robert Suarez as well. Post all-star break, he was able to post up a buck 50 ERA. Steven Wilson is someone that's able to hold down the fort as well. And for the Mets, I'm sure that they're going to be willing to go back to Edwin Diaz in this spot. who has been absolutely amazing. But Seth Lugo is able to give you multiple innings. He since the all-star break has a sub-3 ERA. For the Mets, they certainly have been able to do the job with the bat as Pete Alonso and... Francisco Lindor. pair of guys that have home runs in this series. They both have over 100 RBI for this season. These two guys you're able to throw in there Brandon Nimmo and then Marcana, all between 265 and 275 during the regular season and Eduardo Escobar last three days of the regular season. He was sitting in the neighborhood about a 325 and he's already got a home run in this series as well. Flip side for the San Diego Padres. It's been a little bit of a touch and go offense. They have been significantly better at home than they have been on the road, right around five runs per game at home. More like 3.8 on the road. And you've had Trent Christian, Josh Bell, Manny Machado, along with and Profar, all go yard in this series but for Juan Soto he just has not necessarily been able to live up to his billing in general for this team E.J. Cronenworth Haasam, Kim, all these guys are in between about a 235 to a 245 I will say Will Myers on the road this season hit right around a 300. Josh Bell also he did have a home run a little bit earlier in this series but ever since he has gotten to San Diego, guy's been hitting right around the Mendoza line at 200 Brandon Drury has not been able to give this team too much in general he didn't even start in game one as well but I do think the Musgrove is going to be on top of his game, a little bit more of a nighttime game in a pitcher-friendly ballpark where the temperature's not necessarily so hot. So I do think that this is good pitching conditions in general. Joe Musgrove, the last time he went to New York in a prime time spot, you did see the Mets be able to get the job done against him. I believe that you have to go back to what was like very, very late July for that one. That was an 8-5 to five game. Musgrove did give up four runs in five and a third innings. I do think that he's going to be a little bit more sharp in this spot. He's coming in having not allowed an earned run on the road since August, so that is a very good sign for him. Now he hasn't had a lot of road starts in general, but three earned runs or fewer in every one of his road starts since that calamity. I do think that he's going to be able to shape up, deliver a relatively solid performance, but I do like Bassett here a little bit more. I also do like the Mets bullpen a bit more in this spot as well. Guys like Yulia Rodriguez a company, not necessarily the world's greatest, but they're able to utilize something like a David Peterson of uh, the bullpen as well. That is going to be helpful for the Mets. So, looking at this total under with the DKH pick, and with the Mets, we to lay up to a minus 142 with them, and now we're wrap things up. For the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, a big thanks to our good friend Danny Vietti of CBS Sports on the Wake and Rake Podcast for joining me in the last segment. If you do like to hear from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea. Want to have you for this podcast? You do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Junet underscore 81. Keep in mind letters cm. Yeah. They mean does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline any other way. That is via an Apple Podcast Review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You are able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast that five, that five-star review. I will be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
4: you dare.